If you're anything like me, the thought of slaving away in the kitchen for hours after a hectic day is a little less than appealing. But what if I told you that I've got a little something to make your weekday anti-inflammatory eating a breeze? Introducing my free checklist, the must-have kitchen staples for effortless anti-inflammatory dinners. This is your ticket to stress-free weekday dinners and consistent success in the kitchen. Imagine not having to deal with last-minute grocery store runs or staring at your pantry in exhaustion. Imagine coming home from a demanding day, effortlessly whipping up an anti-inflammatory meal, and still having time to unwind, relax, and catch up on your favorite shows. All you have to do is head over to betterwithcarbo.com forward slash checklist and claim your free copy of this invaluable resource. Let this checklist be your guide to transform your kitchen into a haven of effortless anti-inflammatory cooking and well-balanced meals. Get ready for a life where weekday anti-inflammatory eating is not just easier, but it's downright delightful. Your journey to a healthier, more vibrant you starts right now. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Inflamed in the Brain podcast. I'm Chrissy, your host, and I'm so excited about this episode. I know I say this about a lot of episodes, but I'm really excited about this one because this is all about bread. I am dedicating this episode to all of my bread lovers out there because that is literally all we're talking about today. I love bread. I mean, really love bread, like Oprah level love bread. My husband is Italian, and when we would sit down for Sunday dinner at his mom's house back when we were dating, his grandfather would show up with two loaves of Italian bread. One for me and one for everyone else. It was a joke, but yeah, I love bread that much. When it comes to inflammation, there's a few reasons why bread isn't considered that great of an option. And we'll talk about all of those reasons today and you'll understand why people tend to stay away from bread on an anti-inflammatory diet. But before you tune me out or decide to listen to another podcast because you love bread too much and you're not ready to hear all of the bad things about bread, stay with me. You know your girl's always about finding ways to have that happily ever after. And I want you to have that bread and eat it too. It's really important for you to make a well-informed decision. So I want to clarify all the differences between the common types of bread, what happens in our bodies when we eat bread, but I'm also giving you three options to make eating bread a possibility for you. Because remember, it's not about depriving ourselves of our favorite foods, but it's about finding smart ways to enjoy them. So plug in your earbuds and let's get into it. I'm Chrissy Carbo, registered dietitian and host of the Inflamed in the Brain podcast. Here we cut through the confusion and complexity of inflammatory health to deliver straightforward, bite-sized strategies and information you can easily apply to your life. Not too long ago, I was lost in a sea of information, overwhelmed by the challenges of inflammation. But through years of trial, education, and self-discovery, I learned to break free from the chaos of fad diets and cultivate a practical anti-inflammatory lifestyle that not only helped me stabilize my own diagnosis, but thrive with it. Whether you're an autoimmune warrior or simply seeking a healthier, uncomplicated life, you found your tribe. Join me as we explore realistic strategies that can make a profound difference in your life. So if you're ready to embrace a simpler, healthier way of living, you're in the right place, my friend. Let's dive in, learn, and grow together. Welcome to the Inflamed in the Brain podcast. Let's get started. All right, first, let's talk about all the differences between the breads you usually see at your supermarket. Seriously, there are so many options out there, it can make anyone's head spin. We've got white bread, wheat bread, whole wheat bread, whole grain bread, and then there's multi-grain bread. 
So first in general, when it comes to making bread, you use flour and it's wheat kernel that's made into flour and used to make all kinds of bread. doesn't matter if it's white bread or whole grain bread, wheat kernel is processed, turned into flour and used to make bread. The whole wheat kernel is made up of three parts, the endosperm, bran, and germ. Now, depending on what part of the kernel is used or left out to make the flour, that will determine what kind of bread it is. And when it comes to whole wheat flour, all three parts of the kernel are used to make the flour. An easy way to remember this is whole in the name whole wheat means that the whole kernel is used. Now, don't confuse whole wheat bread with wheat bread. Wheat bread is made using refined wheat flour, which means that the germ and bran portions of the wheat kernel are removed. If you take the processing a step further and then add a bleaching agent to the flour to make it white, then you have white flour to make white bread. Now I got some bad news for all my white bread lovers out there, but white bread is probably considered to be the least nutritious of all of the breads. I know, I know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I really do want you to make the most well-informed decision. And when it comes to white bread, because the bran and the germ portions of the wheat kernel are removed in order to make the bread, it has very little to no fiber and nutrition. When you remove the germ from the wheat kernel to make white bread or wheat bread, you're removing the most nutritious part of the kernel in order to make that flour. Minerals like zinc, selenium, phosphorus, and magnesium, and several B vitamins are found in the germ. So that's all removed with white bread. But with white bread especially, you have that bleaching agent. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to eat anything that's been bleached. Not that Clorox is used to make bread or anything, but any food that has been bleached typically uses a chemical additive. Some of these additives have been linked to several health issues like asthma, intestinal inflammation, and some may even argue that these agents are carcinogenic, meaning that they cause cancer. So again, sorry to all my Wonder Bread lovers out there, but the more you know, right? With whole grain bread, it's pretty similar to whole wheat bread in that it uses all three parts of the whole wheat kernel, but it also incorporates some other whole grains like oats and barley and maybe a couple of others. But some of these brands may even use and promote their bread to have whole seeds in it, like flax seeds and pumpkin seeds which is great because you have extra fiber and healthy fats like omega-3 fatty acids. And with whole grain bread, it's typically considered to be healthier than wheat bread and even whole wheat bread because of the additional grains and the extra fiber and nutrients. Some of these grains and seeds may also add a little bit more protein to your bread, which I always think is a good thing, especially when you're eating something carb heavy like bread. Now that you know what whole grain bread is, what's the difference between whole grain and multigrain? The big difference between whole grain bread and multigrain bread is that multigrain bread may be using refined grains instead of whole grains. And remember, with refined grains, a big chunk of the nutrition is removed. So if you have a multigrain bread that you like, you can take a look at the ingredients list and if you see the word refined, you know they're using refined grains. Okay, so we got the different breads down, right? Now, why does bread have this reputation of being unhealthy? There's a couple things to consider here. The most known reason why people consider bread to be the enemy is because of the carb load. Bread specifically, the refined ones, is considered to be a high glycemic food, meaning that when you eat it, especially alone, it will cause a high spike in your blood sugar and consequently a high spike in insulin levels. Now, this is a natural thing that happens in our body when we eat any kind of carb, but with high glycemic foods, 
these spikes are higher than they should be. And when you eat these kinds of foods regularly or consistently, these spikes happen regularly and consistently. And that's when you start seeing things like insulin resistance, systemic inflammation, weight management issues, and cardiovascular disease. And this is probably the most commonly known reason why people tend to stay away from bread and consider it to be a problematic or bad food. Another thing to consider is that bread has gluten in it. And the problem with gluten is that it triggers the release of zonulin. Zonulin is a protein that is made by the intestinal and liver cells, and it's responsible for increasing intestinal permeability. We talked about intestinal permeability in an earlier podcast episode that I'll link to in the show notes, but essentially intestinal permeability is the more specific term for leaky gut, where the tight junctions that form the lining of your gut open and food stuff can leak through. And leaky gut has been linked to all sorts of fun things like inflammation, autoimmune disease, fatigue, allergies, and that's just naming a few. And the issue here is that when we eat bread, which has gluten, gluten triggers zonulin to release, and zonulin will signal the tight junctions in your gut to loosen up, resulting in leaky gut. Picture the tight junctions of your gut like the interlace that forms when two hands are holding. And the grip is tight like Jack's grip tight when he's holding onto Rose's hand as he's floating in the freezing water in the Titanic. And then you eat gluten and gluten has zonulin and that causes the grip to loosen like when Rose slowly lets Jack go and he sinks to the bottom of the ocean. Some people on more restrictive anti-inflammatory diets will avoid bread altogether for this very reason. Now, aside from the carb load and zonulin, Bread and other whole grains have this thing in it called phytates. Phytates are like a storage unit for phosphorus, and they live primarily in grains, like the ones that are used to make bread. The sucky thing about phytates are that they bind to minerals like magnesium, zinc, iron, calcium, potassium, and manganese, all of which are needed to help our bodies function properly, especially in our anti-inflammatory efforts. So when we eat bread and increase our intake of phytates, we are decreasing our body's bioavailability of these essential nutrients. Okay, so let's pause for a second and take a breath. I just mentioned a lot of not so great things that happen when you eat bread. So you're probably wondering if there's even a healthy option for you here. Should you go gluten-free? The thing with gluten-free eating is that some people say they're going to do a gluten-free diet to avoid all of the inflammation that's associated with gluten which, okay, that's great for you, but at the end of the day, they end up eating a bunch of gluten-free packaged stuff that's still high glycemic because that gluten-free stuff is still made with a lot of refined gluten-free flours. And that's not really solving anything because you're still triggering inflammation by the elevated blood sugar pathway that we talked about earlier. Now, there are some people with celiac disease who can't tolerate even the smallest amount of gluten without causing lots of damage to their gut. So for those guys, gluten is definitely not an option for you. However, if you don't fall into that category, there are a few things that you can do to enjoy a slice of toast in the morning. The first option I got for you here is sourdough bread. Sourdough is good for a few reasons. We talked a little bit earlier about the impact gluten has on our gut. Well, with sourdough bread, the dough goes through a fermentation process, which activates certain enzymes that can break down the gluten resulting in a lower gluten load and less digestive issues. The reduction in gluten depends on how long the bread has been left to ferment. The longer the fermentation process, the less gluten the bread may have. 
And this is kind of hard to know when you're buying sourdough at the grocery store, so just keep that in mind. We also talked about how bread is considered to be high glycemic, meaning that it will cause your blood sugar to rise along with your insulin. And if this happens for a long period of time, meaning that you eat a lot of bread on most days, you're increasing your chances of running into issues caused by insulin resistance. With sourdough bread, the bacteria that rise from the fermentation process eat the starch in the bread for fuel, which means that sourdough bread is lower carb and won't cause your blood sugar to rise as much as regular bread would. The fermentation process with sourdough also slows the rate of which carbs break down into sugar. So compared to regular bread where carbs break down to sugar relatively quickly and this causes your blood sugar to rise quickly, this process is slowed when the dough is fermented. And then finally, when it comes to phytates, the fermentation process in sourdough bread also reduces the pH of the bread, which makes it more acidic. This naturally activates enzymes that break down and reduce the levels of phytates in the bread. So when we're talking about how phytates in bread bind to essential minerals, robbing you of those health benefits, you don't have to worry about that so much when it comes to sourdough. All right, so sourdough is great. What about another option? You can also consider sprouted grain bread. This kind of bread is made from grains that have undergone a soaking process. This makes it a bit easier for your body to digest the carbs, potentially saving you from any stomach troubles that's sometimes associated with bread indulgence. The sprouting process also kickstarts the breakdown of carbs, positioning sprouted grain as a potentially lower glycemic option. This would help mitigate the significant blood sugar spikes that come with eating more traditional refined grain bread. I do have to say, though, that the research around sprouted grains reducing gluten content isn't as solid. Some studies suggest that sprouted grain bread has a lower gluten load, while other studies propose the exact opposite. In my perspective, if you can tolerate gluten and enjoy sprouted bread, go for it. And when it comes to phytates, research does say that sprouting grains activates phytase, which is the enzyme responsible for breaking down the phytate. So similar to sourdough, sprouted grain bread is typically categorized to have fewer phytates in it, which means that your body isn't competing with phytate to absorb those essential minerals like we talked about earlier. Now, let me keep it real with you for a sec. At the end of the day, bread is still bread. Even if you're opting for a lower glycemic option like sourdough or sprouted bread, it's still a carb and if eaten alone, it can spike your blood sugar. So my last tip for you here is meant to help you keep things in check and avoid those sugar spikes that pave the way for inflammation. You want to balance out your bread with two sidekicks, protein and fat. Something as simple as an egg can be both protein and fat, and that can help you balance out your blood sugar when it comes to eating a slice of bread. Plus, when you pair your bread with a fat and a protein, you're avoiding what I call post-carb blues. These are those moments when you feel hungry or tired way too soon after eating a bunch of carbs. I also refer to this sometimes as the itis, where you feel really sleepy after you eat something super carb heavy. So that is a wrap for today's episode. I really hope that I answered all your questions around bread. And if I didn't, let me know. You can find me on Instagram at betterwithcarbo. I'm happy to continue this conversation with you. I know that I needed this episode because I even get lost in the sea of different breads at the supermarket. And there are two key takeaways that I want you to walk away from this episode with. First one being that no matter what bread option you choose, remember that bread is still a carb and ultimately needs to be balanced out with healthy fats and protein in order to keep our blood sugar and inflammation in check. 
The second thing here is that a gluten-free diet necessarily won't save you from inflammation. So many people hear about how gluten can contribute to inflammation, so they decide to eat a gluten-free diet, but these gluten-free diets are still high in gluten-free flour products that are high glycemic. So you're still triggering those sugar spikes that set the stage for inflammation through other pathways. The take-home here being, unless you've got celiac disease where your immune system is triggering inflammation in your intestines when you eat gluten, feel free to experiment with sourdough or sprouted greens and remember, balance out these breads with a fat and a protein. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend, leave a review wherever you're listening, and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our anti-inflammatory combos. Check out the show notes for the links that I mentioned in this episode. Until next time, guys, same time, same place.